Welcome you to the Row by Row Gardening Show, the best daggum gardening show on the radio and the internet as well. Thank you for joining this evening. We've got Mama Hoss in the house. What's going on, Mama Hoss? Nothing much. Yeah, good to have you back. Yeah. Getting yeah. ready for Thanksgiving. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. Look here, stick around to the end because we're going to do a giveaway. How about that? We're going to give away five Row by Row t-shirts, highly coveted Row by Row shirts. And uh, we're going to do a rapid fire Q&A, and we're going to pick five names from that to send these shirts to. So, so we select you. We need you to send in your um, shipping address and your shirt size. Yep, yep. So uh, what you got going on in the garden, Mama House? We've been harvesting a lot in the last harvesting week. Harvesting a lot. Yeah. Okra's playing out. Um, really nothing new this week. Yeah, well... This is kind of what I've been doing new is I've been harvesting everything that I thought I could harvest because we've had some cold weather. Now, we at our place have not had a hard frost. Other people in the county have had a harder frost than we have. From the looks of things, we're about a week ahead of schedule on the average frost date this year, which is not too bad out of whack, but I really believe we're going to have a cold winter. And that's not too bad of a thing because... We get to kill some of those insects back and uh, don't have as much insect pressure if we have a good cold winter. It's pretty much a good thing to have a good cold chilling winter every now and then. What you got going on? Well, I'm picking the rest of my tomatoes, getting them out and uh, things like that. But I wanted to show everybody what, what work I have been doing on multiplying onions for the last two years. Okay, so in September, I planted... A plot of multiplying onions and this is what I planted this little bulb right here and as of today this is what I harvested off of this little bulb now that's September October November nearly three months and I want you to look at the root system here I got four big cloves and they'll make plenty more I mean they're not by any means uh, through at least five one two three four no these four for, and uh, and we've been eating these for the last week. They've been really good. So what we do is we separate them apart, chop them up, and we chop them all the way up to the green because we love this green, you know, in stir fries and things like that. Soups, they're absolutely wonderful in soups. But see how, they, I'm making a mess, but see how they are connected there? And you pull these up and you plant one back. You can plant one back, or if you got plenty, just leave it up and you can let some others go and they'll uh, continue to multiply. Now, by springtime, this clump here is going to be in the form of about 15 to 20 bulbs. Wow. So you're going to get 15 to 20 bulbs off that one bulb there by then. Now, one of the things about these, these are not sweet onions, but they're not bad either. They're not, they're more of a cooking onion. And we love the green part, but the little onion there is pretty good too. Mm, that's very good. It's not sweet, but it's not... It's not hot, hot. hot. It's got just a, just a little bit of spice to it. Very good. We love to eat these around Thanksgiving. Put in your dressing and your other dishes as well. Really good. So uh, those are really doing well for us. i got two big plots planted. We hope to have some of these available come springtime. Now you see this right here? Same exact onion, and this onion right here, this bulb was not dug last year. This is a year old, and this is what you do not want to do. These multiplying onions, I have come to find out, you have to dig them at least once 
preferably twice a year and separate them out. I did not know you could grow these all summer long until I was talking to a fellow out in Texas who had been working with them for a long period of time. And he told me he grow them year round. So that's what I'm going to do. I found out the best thing for us is to dig them, multiply them, replant them in the fall. Springtime, dig them again, separate them, and plant them again. Now here's the key. You need drip tape on them because they stress out there in the hot summer. you got to be able to keep the water to them. But if you do that, you can grow these suckers all year long. So does this have a name or it's just called a multiplying onion? It's called a Tom multiplying onion. That's T-H-O-M because I named it that. From who? Well, glad you asked that. So I got several strains when I started, but the strain that they end up going with come out of Thomasville, Georgia. Oh. So I named it Tom, T-H-O-M, not Tom, T-O-M, but T-H-O-M. Okay. And then we're going to call these the Tom Multiplying Onions. Started out with three strands and pretty much narrowed it down to one. Although all three were really good, but I seen a little bit of vigor out of the Tom strand, so ended up going with that. So can you do anything with this now? You know, I, I don't really think, I could, you could, you could separate, you could dig them up and separate them out. They still got root system on plant them. I've done that. But that's not the preferred way to do it, I don't think. I think the preferred way to do it is going to be to dig them up and, um, and keep them separate. This is the size you want right here. That's a nice size eating onion right there. Let them go to that and then you can eat on them, separate them out, grow them out again. A truly sustainable onion that you'll never have to replenish. You can keep your seed stock going over and over again. And what is absolutely astounding to me is this right here came from that dried bulb in three months time. Isn't that amazing? amazing. The, the amazing ability of gardening. How about that? Wow. I'm going to give me there. profound. Yeah. So let's put all this up in a way because I made a mess, didn't I? Okay. We got something else that is a new seed product alert that I want to share with everybody. Tell them what you did right here. I should put some onions on there. Mm -hmm. This is a new seed that we're carrying. Topazio. Topazio. And this is what it looks like dried. So I just took some um, bacon and chicken broth. Mm -hmm. And we soaked these for about five hours and then put them in a crock pot on low for about five hours. You want to taste? Yep. Now you can soak these if, you, if you've never done dried beans much, beans much. Five hours to soak them overnight. Got a little bacon in there. Bacon makes everything wonderful. Give you a little history on these beans. We was up in the North Georgia mountains about uh, a month ago. We went to a farm stand and I found these beans there still in the shell and they were called October beans. And it kind of jarred my memory a little bit back when I was uh, a very small youngster. And these beans right here are grown a lot in the mountains of North Carolina and Georgia and even on up north. But the kicker to it is they're called different things per region where they're grown at. In the mountains in North Georgia and uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, they call them October beans. But way up north, they call them cranberry beans. Mm -hmm. Now down here in the deep south we're at, we call them October beans as well. But they're not near as well grown or well known as what they used to be. Really? they taste like it's not like a kidney bean but it's not like a more like a pinto it has has a little yeah. bit yeah very full 
full-bodied flavor. That's, that's a wine description there. How about that? Full-bodied flavor. When you pick these, they actually are a little bit wider than that, but as you dry them out, they turn a little bit brown. But they have these nice red streaks on them. The pods are white with these red streaks on there. Absolutely gorgeous. So you pick these and then shell them? Yeah. Now, this is a shelling bean, which is unusual. You can eat them as a snap bean, but I would not recommend that. This is a pure shelling bean right here. And you want to put these up as dried beans and they'll last you for a long period of time. It is an excellent food source. These things shell out real, real easy. So they're real easy to grow. They grow as a bush bean and then you can shell them out and then dry them down and then store them in a, a good dry place in a jar or something like that. It'll last you for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. An excellent food source to have all winter long. So you grow in the spring or the fall? You can grow in the spring and the fall. Now, most people grow these, they call them October beans because they mature out mm, during October. And they take them and they use them for preparation to have a food source during the wintertime. So I'd have to, they're 67 days to maturity. So if they come off of the, end of the middle of October, you back that up two months, which would be, uh, help me out here, September, August. You would plant these sometime in August. And then they would come off in October, and then you would have a good food source. You can grow them in the spring as well, but we always think about putting up for wintertime in the fall, and I think that's one reason a lot of people call them October beans. We used to grow them down here back a long time ago, but I hadn't seen anybody grow them down here in a while. They still grow them up in the mountains and up north. North, they call them cranberry beans. We call them October beans. It is the same thing. This variety here, Tapazio. Did I say Tapazio? Now, I didn't name that, or I would have named it something else. <laughs> that is the variety that is October bean and cranberry bean. Yep. So we have these in two different variations. We just got them in, and I am tickled to death to have these things. So these are on the website? These are on the website, yeah. We have them in the 50 seed pack, and then we have them in pounds also. And they're not very expensive at all. I don't know. I forgot what the pound price was, but it's not very Heck, it's less than $15, I think. So you can plant you a pound of these right here and have a lot of food to help you into the wintertime. And you know the thing about these right there, you don't have, something bad was to happen, you don't have to have refrigeration to keep those, just have them dry. So it's a perfect food source to have around for those unforeseen occasions where you may lose power or whatever and you got, need some food source, you got it there. Seed packs and pounds. Wonderful addition to our seed line. We got some more seeds, new seeds coming up later on that we'll be sharing with you. But I mean, I am tickled to have this one right here. Ready to answer some questions? Yep. Q&A. Q&A. Every now and then I'm just going to slip in here and get me a bite of beans. How about that? All right. First question, Bailey Creek Road Adventures. Have you ever had success growing asparagus? Yes, we have. We got a couple of good videos out there on growing asparagus. We started probably, what, seven, eight years ago? At least, yeah. Growing asparagus. Asparagus is easy to grow. If you go by the instructions, a lot of YouTube videos out there showing how to do it. We've got a couple of good ones. And uh, if you follow instructions on how to do that, they're very, you can, anybody can do it. The key is, is once they get uh, into your third year and you start harvesting, you can start having a little bit of a weed problem. You got to understand if you got asparagus, you're gonna have weeds. What we do every now and then is just mow ours back. It stresses the plant. They shoot up new spears, and we eat asparagus again. 
For about six weeks during the springtime, we have a steady supply of asparagus. And then even during the fall of the year or late summer, if you take a hankering to, a hankering is a good word there. You use that often. Yeah, I do that, I use that often. You can go out there and mow that asparagus back and it will stress that plant and it will shoot them spears up so you can get you a good uh, couple of eatings off asparagus that way. But yeah, asparagus should be on every homestead, I think. Counting tomatoes. What is the best way to get rid of grasshoppers? I'm surrounded by grassland and they inundating my... Inundating. Inundating. That means they're taking over. <laughs> my yard and garden. Yep. Those grasshoppers can be problematic. It's not a whole lot you can do organically there. We get the big black thumpers here, the big old black grasshoppers with stripes on them. You got to hit them early on. You need to hit them with something like Bug Buster 2, which is a synthetic insecticide. You got to hit them hard and you got to hit them young. If they ever get big on you, you can give it up. You can, they might make fish bait then, but you can't hardly kill them. So uh, hit them early, hit them, hit them strong, stay on a, a vigorous spray program, and you can get control of them early on. I think you could probably actually rotate Bug Buster 2 and Nemo and get some control. Paul Blankenship, concerning nitrogen fixers. Legumes, I'm assuming. Does the nitrogen fixing plant have to die or be pruned back to release the nitrogen for other plants to scavenge from the roots? left behind? That's a good question. Uh, and I've even thought this years ago before I did some research on it. If you've got clover and you're intercropping something like clover with corn, which is a nitrogen loving plant there, and your clover is actively growing, that clover is not exchanging that nitrogen to the corn. Excuse me. Mm. Those beans, excuse me, those beans, <laughs> those clover, <laughs> The clover has to be decaying, it has to be worked in, it has to be extinguished before it starts breaking down, exchanging that over to the corn. So you can't intercrop a live legume and expecting it to give that nitrogen to the other plant. Right. How about that? The next one's how about is to you. For me? Yep. Coop, coop and the coop. It's from coop and the coop. K coop and the you got, you got that. I got it. Will I get better germination on my edible hibiscus if I leave the pod on the plant longer? I don't want to leave it too long since, since it can go bad, but I need some tips on when is the right time to pull them seed pods. And since you're the Roselle hibiscus expert. Yeah, um, once the, it blooms and the blooms falls off, then in five to seven days, you can harvest that flower. Or calyx. Um, you can leave it on there longer. You do, don't want to leave it on there long enough that it gets really tough. You still want it tender. Now if you're just wanting to dry some out for seeds, you can always cut some off, set them aside, let them dry. But five to seven days after the bloom falls off. You know them beans sit kind of heavy on you. You, you don't need a lot of them to feed mm -hmm. yet. You might regret it later. No, it's good to me. Next one right, is next from one. Small Time Gardening. I guess that's a question for you to ask me, huh? I heard it said for a long time now, insects don't attack healthy plants. Can you... Oh, I my glasses. Uh -oh. Demystify. Demystify that. Mm -hmm. There is some truth to that. Uh, think about your body. If your body is compromised and you're weak, your immune system is down, and things can jump on you. Plants are the same way. 
So when the plant is compromised and is weak and it is starving, it don't have the fertility it needs, or it has some other problem, yes, it is more susceptible to insect pressure. However, insects also can attack healthy plants. But what happens is a good healthy plant can fight that infestation off easier than a, a plant that is maybe compromised. So it's, not, it's maybe a little bit different than the question was freight question. How about that? You can have insect pressure on both. The healthy plant is going to fight it off better. Okay. Be leaner. Can you be leaner? Be leaner. Can you tell me what fertilizer to use on onions and at what time? Thank you. Yeah, we did a show on that not too long ago. Yeah, we can yeah. link the video. We can link the video to that, sure, and it gives you pretty detailed instructions. Basically, what you want to use is a well-balanced fertilizer, and we recommend something like 20, 20, 20, but a good balanced fertilizer and alternate it with a nitrogen source, ammonia sulfate. Onions, garlic, anything in the alum family loves sulfur. So you got to have sulfur in there. So alternating them two right there is a good strategy to have. Stop 30 days. Stop 30 days before harvest. That's the main thing right there. And you'll get them big, nice bulbs that we all yeah. want to grow. Yep. Next one's from Gloria. And Gloria wants to know, does Miss Hall's succession plant or intercrop in a raised beds? I've been harvesting the leaves off my cool season greens and lettuce and I was wondering at what point I should harvest the whole plant, stick another one in. I'm in zone 10. So I'm, luckily, I'm lucky and can basically garden all year round. I enjoy gardening in our cooler weather. Just wish we had more rain. Um, as far as the succession planting, I do that a lot in the spring and the summer. Um, not as much as in, in the fall because the cauliflower, the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts take so long to get ready. I really don't have time to do it. There's some crackers be good with that. Yeah. Um, two crackers. <laughs> really? Uh -huh. Um, as far as the intercropping, I do that with some flowers also. Sometimes I plant some onions and garlic in the same bed with my English peas. So I do some of that. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on where you're at and how much time you have to have two or three crops. Cool. Vera Wallace, what can I use next time to prevent pumpkins from being destroyed by white Wine boars. <laughs> vine boars. I want to give it another try. Well, vine boars tore me up this year. They can be trouble. So where I got in trouble is I planted a late crop. And I planted in a place that I probably shouldn't have planted in. For vine boars, you want to make sure you plant earlier in the springtime to get ahead of the, uh, the outbreak of vine boars. They normally come out later in the year. So the earlier in the spring you can plant, the better off you are. Uh, spray early on. You want to have a good spray program early on because if they ever get into that stage where they're inside that vine, you can forget it. You don't. You can't do anything at that point to kill them. Spray will not get on them once they get in that vine. So hit them early on, move your crop up, and try to grow a crop early, earlier in the spring. Kenna O'Connor, I want to bring my peppers inside for the winter. What do they need to keep producing or at least not to die over the winter? You know, a lot of people do that, especially on some of these novelty type peppers. Now, I've got a couple ghost peppers out there. I thought about doing this. I've never done it before. I've heard people keeping pepper plants alive two, three years. 
So you can do it. If I was going to do it, I would bring them inside. I would keep them wet. I'd keep them moisture to them, but I wouldn't fertilize them much. I would kind of put them in the hibernation stage during the wintertime. And come springtime, I would repot them in a new pot, and I would fertilize them and let them flush out then. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't depend on them producing a lot of fruit in the wintertime. I would just try to keep that plant alive until come springtime. DDY Bryson, can you use your drip irrigation in containers? Mm -hmm. If yes, can you show how? Yeah, we actually have a drip irrigation kit specifically for containers. And we'll put a link up here with that. The instructions are in the box there. We have a little bit of information there on the website, on the product page there. It has been designed for containers in mind. It's a little different system than you would use for your drip irrigation in your vegetable garden. Works off emitters. But absolutely, we got a wonderful one that works for containers. And if you're using container garden and you want to go on vacation, that is a must-have. You can put it on a timer and leave it and don't have to worry about it. When you get back, it's good and been took care of. Alicia Green, when you're starting a farm on raw land, what's the best cover crop to plant to help build better soil for garden and for animals, even if the crops are different for a garden and animals? Yep. So what we have been seeing and, and we've been talking about a lot lately is having these cover crops dual purpose, you know, providing biomass and healthy for the soil, but also being able to graze them with animals. So if you have animals and you can move them in there and graze on it and you can get the biomass off of it too, that is, that's double bonus there that you're getting off of that cover crop. The one that I would use for cool season would be my standby is a combination of rye and winter vetch. Or you could do rye winter peas. The summertime, I would go with sun hemp. The very first thing you need to do is check your pH and get that adjusted accordingly. After you get that, then summertime go with the sun hemp, wintertime go with the rye with uh, Australian winter pea or hair vetch, either one be fine. Mm -hmm. ED Law, this is another drip tape. Are you going to offer drip tape kits for smaller gardeners? I just have a 20 by 29 garden to start. Yeah, that's a good question. And I know there's a demand out there for it, but the problem is, is our drip tape comes in rolls of 1,500 feet. So it's hard for us to offer a smaller system than what we do because of the drip tape. We'd have to have a machine to re-roll it up, and we actually don't have that. It's a, I'm glad to brought it up. It's a good thing that we need to give some thought to, but at this time, we don't. Okay. Sunny Brown, I have a pasture of one-half acre that has horses on it. This was over three years ago. Now it's open and undisturbed land with mainly grass weeds. I want to plot beds and ask how to begin. I'm in zone AB, North Florida. Thanks for all your help to everyone. Note, I have a 430JD lawn tractor, but no disc. I can hire someone. That's exactly what I do. I was hired somebody to come in with a tractor and disc and disc it up. Disking is probably friendlier to the soil than a tiller is. Now, once you get it t uh, disced up and get those grasses and things, under control, then you can use your tiller to kind of lay things off and maybe work your, your ground some. A disc is healthier on your earthworms and on your tilt of your soil than a tiller is. So I would definitely probably recommend hiring somebody or maybe getting one of them fine neighbors you got to come over and disc it up for you. Charles McCullough, Greg, I was wondering if I could still plant collars in zone 8A about an hour north of Macon. 
Yeah, I don't know that I direct seed them. I think if you start them inside and you got some nice, healthy uh, plants, you could transplant them and be okay. Collars are very tolerant of cold weather, but they're, and those seeds getting those to come up in, in cold, cold weather might be an issue. So transplants would probably work for you. Scott Beavers, I have never been able to get bell peppers to grow to a respectable size. I'm in central North Carolina. Any ideas? Fertility, fertility, fertility. For the last few years, we've been doing a wonderful job growing peppers. Now, I struggled back in the day until I realized fertilizers love, oh, excuse me, peppers love fertilizer. So you got to make sure they got all the nutrients there. We always use a heaping amount of compost pre-plant. Heaping? Heaping. Heaping, that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot, yeah, heaping. And then we make sure we give it plenty of fertility, grow that plant, and you can grow. We grow some of the finest peppers you've ever seen out there. But you got to make sure they got plenty of fertilizer. This is a long one. Wayne Starr, any tips for growing loofah gourds in cooler climates, temperature requirements, fertilizer regimens, days to maturity? I want to grow them as an alternative to plastic dish sponges rather than to eat. I assume they probably need warmer temperatures than I can provide. I've been trying to, for three successive seasons outside with poor results. So I was going to try them in a polytunnel next year. In London, UK, am I fighting a losing battle? Good to hear from Wayne. Wayne has been a part of our Row by Row group since just about the start of it. And he is across the pond over there in, in Europe. And uh, it's always interesting to see his post and see what's going on over there. <coughs> and to see how they think, do things a little differently than we do. They have a lot cooler growing season than we do. So it's challenging to them on certain aspects. They can, they can grow certain things during the summertime. We can't grow. It's good to hear from you, Wayne. One thing I would probably try to do is plant them indoors, uh, maybe in a greenhouse or a seed starting kit or a grow light or something other and get my plants up and started good. That way, when it did get warm enough outside, you could plant them and you possibly could get a, a decent growing season in. Your growing season is so short there, you just don't have the heat units to pull it off. So that's what I would do is try to get a jump start on the inside and then put them out there and hope for the best. But it can be challenging because loofahs love the heat. Any of the gourds love the heat and uh, it could be challenging your area, but that's what I would do. Aaron Cobbiel. How many weeks before planting straight out of the 162 trays would you start transplants for tomatoes and peppers? Thank you and see you Thursday night. Best dadgum gardening show. Heck yeah. All right, so on my peppers and my tomatoes in the springtime, I start mine in February, and it's normally pretty cool out there in February. I can grow tomato plants off in six weeks. I can normally grow peppers off in eight weeks if everything's good. But we all know peppers can be a little slow to germinate. So I, I give myself six weeks on tomatoes and I give myself eight weeks on peppers. Now, when I start my fall crop in July, I can grow either one of those off in four weeks. So it makes a difference on the time of the year and the heat that you have when you're doing this. Wintertime, six to eight weeks. Summertime, four weeks, easy. Shirley Stavall, have you ever used comfrey as a fertilizer? If so, how did you use it, and is it better for some plants than others? I have no idea what comfrey is. 
I did just a little bit of research on it, and it is poisonous. Did you know that? Yeah, so if anybody's got any idea about comfrey using a little fertilizer or how you would use it at all, tell us in the comments below because it's kind of interesting to me. Uh, from what little bit I read, it is actually the active ingredient is illegal to be put in any products in the United States cause liver failure. And then I read somewhere else where it has some values to it. So I don't know. Let us know what you think if you something had you don't know. something I don't know. Comfrey. Comfrey. I don't know that I've ever laid eyes on, on Mr. Comfort before. Paul asks, how do you sow oats on your beds for the winter and get all the seeds covered to germ? I only seem to get half of them covered to germ. Yeah, you need soil contact all over those seeds to make them come up. <clears throat> what I do is I spread them out there and I take a good rake and I rake them in. Now, you don't get 100% on covered, but you're going to get most of them covered. And that seems to work pretty good for me. I always seed a little bit on the heavy side. Fiddle and Fern Greenhouse, right down the road yep. from us. We purchased some of that black gold from Cotton Gin you suggested. Should we cut it with a bag of soil or use it as is? We're thinking it may be too hot. No, I'd put it right in there, mixed in when you sold. Now, we normally use a five-gallon five bucket to a four-by-eight yeah. waistband. Mixed it into your existing soil, you should be fine. I don't think it's going to be too hot. Most time it has already worked off. Now, if you see a lot of steam or if it's very, very hot in there, you may want to leave it piled up a little bit more, let it finish cooking off. But mostly what we've got from them has been uh, completely worked off and it's good. You know, it may be a little warm, but it'll be fine to mix in with your garden. You the next one? Yep. I done got way behind there. I was eyeing them beans again. Firefly Dreaming 4 says, I have raised beds and I do rotate crops every year, but I'm wondering if I should plant a cover crop in the autumn and winter to improve my soil. I only put cardboard and leaves down when these beds were set up at 18 inches deep. For the autumn and winter, I would plant rye in the raised beds. Yeah. That'd be a good one to plant. Um, the leaves and cardboard, there's nothing wrong with that, but... Uh, you just can't beat a good cover crop to help build your soil back up and take care of the weeds. And rye is going to be easy for you managing those raised beds. Why? It's going to be easy to get rid of. You know, when you start turning it over, you're not dealing with a lot of biomass up there. It's going to be easy to take just a digging fork and turn it under. Turn it over. Um, SD Sour? How do you keep your garden rows so clean, weed-free, loves your products, and show? We just stay after it with the uh, the wheel hoe. Um, anytime after a rain and you see any weeds coming up, it's time to get out there and disturb that soil. The biggest problem people have is they wait too late mm -hmm. to cultivate and they lose the battle of weeds. So simple question to that is stay after it with the wheel hoe. Davis Country Farm. I'm growing clover as a cover crop. Can you mow it down several times, let it grow back before turning it in the soil? You can if you mow it high. You don't want to mow it low, but I don't know why you would want to mow it. I don't know what purpose that would serve. I most times just let mine go and it, it produces a nice healthy crop. But if you're adamant you want to mow it, just mow it high and it will come back. You mow it too low, you're going to injure that plant and it's not going to recover. Dirks. With all the gardening videos you post, I notice one topic is missing. Uh-oh. I have a hard time believing that you don't deal with any pests from the mammal family. 
I live near a lake and have geese that are easy to deal with and squirrels that love my garden or love my green tomatoes and are hard to control. What do you do? You know, everybody faces their own battle on this one right here. Mine in the past has been rabbits. I have a problem with rabbits eating my fall garden up. So what I did is I put up a little fence around my plot that I always plant in the fall. So I kept them excluded out of that garden. I use a fence, a rabbit fence. Most people will tell you the action to take against any type of mammal, animal, whatever, it's going to be the term exclusion. That means to build something so you cannot let them in, so they can't get into it. There's nothing out there I know that you can put in a vegetable garden that's going to deter them. So it's a tough one. Ashley Spires called me the other. Ashley lives up in middle of Georgia, and he was having a terrible deer problem. A lot of people face a deer problem. We don't where we're at. And he was just upset that he'd done all this hard work and the deer was eating his, his groceries up, basically, in the garden. And I said, Ashley, there's not a whole lot you can do besides either shoot them or either have you a big fence up so they can't get in. So, you know, if you have that problem, you just really need to think about how can I protect that crop from the animal coming in? And it's normally with some type of fencing. Mm -hmm. It's not a good answer, but it's the only answer we got there. Ruger Sawyer, I think. Starting a new plot where poison ivy was growing but tilled out, will it be okay? Poison ivy does not like cultivation, so you should be fine. Poison ivy always grows in an established spot. So if you're keeping it tilled and worked and cultivated, you shouldn't have any problems whatsoever. Last question. Bless her heart, Homestead. Aphids, is there anything I can do to prep or tweak my soil now to prevent another infestation? If you're going to have an infestation of insects, you probably want it to be aphids there, the easiest to control. Most time, aphids overwinter on fence rows and in the woods and things like that, so there's not a whole lot you can do besides maybe planting a cover crop. A cover crop will help insect cycles breaking them up, so use cover crops, always keep something growing on that soil, never just let it lay out from springtime to the next spring. But aphids are normally not a big problem of overwintering into the soil. Okay. Yep. So now we need to do a drawing, don't we? Yep. Are you going to do it or am I going to do it? We're just going to dump them out there? Yeah, just pick one. i got to close my eyes, don't I? Yeah. And we got Paul Blankenship. Paul, email us what size shirt you want and your shipping address, and we'll get out there to you now. You pick one. Did you close your eyes? Mm -hmm. Fill in fern greenhouse. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Next one is Verna Wallace. Mm -hmm. Vera. It's Vera, ain't it? Vera Wallace. Okay. Next one is Wayne Star. I knew Wayne was going to get picked. <laughs> I'm going to have to pay some overseas shipping. Wayne. <laughs> I will ship that shirt to you over there in Europe. So you just give us your size and we'll get it shipped to you. They, uh, I don't know how we'll ship it, but we'll make sure we get it we'll to get you. It. One yep. more. I knew Wayne's name was going to get put. <laughs> uh, counting tomatoes. All right. All right. Okay, corny joke of the week. I don't have one. You don't have one? I don't have one. I do. All right. What do you call a potato with... 
glasses. Bad eyes? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. No, a spectator. Mm, spectator. Spectator. That's good. Spectator. Yep. Good corny joke there, girl. Mm -hmm. Yep. Somebody sent that in, and I'll be sure to uh, email you and get you a prize in the mail. Yep, good deal. I to write down the name. So next week's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So uh, we may have a little something special for y'all next week. All right. Well, thank y'all so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show and uh, enjoyed these questions. Enjoyed our product. Is it Tapazio? Tapazio. Tapazio beans. You got to go check those out. All right. Now it's time for you to get out there and get dirty. Mm -hmm.